The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Bono and Ice, and Nadine Terman and Brian Kelly. Tonight on Fast, the big miss. Sock shrug as today's jobs number disappoints. We're breaking down what it means for this record rally. Plus, a big bank buzzkill. The financials fumbling to hand in its worst week in more than a year. The name and the trade straight ahead. And later, one of our traders is calling this the most important story in the market right now. We'll tell you what just happened overseas that really got their attention. But we start off with a blockbuster week for Netflix. The streaming stocks seeming unstoppable. Netflix shares are up 15 of the last 16 trading sessions, and the chartmaster says this record rally is just getting started. Let's get to Cornerstone Macro's Carter Braxton worth to lay it all out. Hey, Carter. Right. Well, so if you think about it, obviously the last many days have been very positive, and yet the stock has made no progress in essentially a year. So those are two things that juxtaposed against one another almost make no sense. A sort of a, a, a multi-day rally, and yet you've made no progress in a year. Let's look at the charts. Before we get to Netflix, I'm going to do a little before and after. And so you see it often uh, for diet ads, the before and after, or weather decking. Here's the pre, pre-deck, and then here it is after. We're going to do that right now. Look at NVIDIA. Look at the setup. A big move, a triple off the low, 50 to 150. It rests for a year and it breaks out. You see that 150 level? It's up 50% from the breakout, the before and the after. Look at the next one, Adobe. It's the exact same technical setup. It's called an ascending triangle. You see it there, a big move, a big rest, and a big breakout, right? The authority of that sort of 535 level, it's now up 25% since the breakout point. One more before and after, and let's get to Netflix. Look at Apple. Uh, Not as robust a breakout, uh, more nascent, but it's the exact same setup. A big advance, a big rest, and then you move above prior tops. A textbook, prototypical breakout. Well, Netflix. Here's the final chart. What do we know? A big move off the pandemic low, got ahead of itself, got ahead of the market, and is now basically backing and filling for almost a year. That high that you see where the line is drawn is back in January, and we are toying with the prospects of breaking out. The bet is that it does break out. There are a few that are still left, Amazon being one, Netflix being one. Do all stocks that set up like this break out? Of course not. But you've got to play the cards the way the cards are dealt. Bye for the breakout. Carter, the fact that the stock is, quote-unquote, rested for about a year, does that make the, the breakout prospects stronger or, or the possible breakout perhaps bigger? It does, and there are a lot of adages. The one that I learned uh, when I was young is the more authority the level has, the more authoritative the resolution, right? And so we've been toying with the 600 level for the better part of a year. There's, that's 12 months. That's a lot of uh, uh, authority, the 600 level. The breakout is likely to be authoritative, big. All right, Carter, thanks. We'll see you on Options Action shortly. Carter Braxton Worth of Cornerstone Macro. Brian Kelly, Carter Braxton Worth is very, very, very persuasive. He's got very convincing charts. You buying to the story, though? 
Uh, you know what? I do, actually. And, I, and it's for a couple different reasons. Um, number one, even when you saw that year-long uh, trend, sideways trend here in Netflix, uh, it didn't really go down that much in a sense. It was really just kind of a flat sideways trend, which tells me that people weren't really getting out of it. They're just biding their time. You get a breakout like this in a market like this that is trading highly technical because of the retail order flow. This is the type of thing that's going to get people's attention. And I actually particularly like when something rests for a while. Carter called it authoritative. I think Luis Yamada calls it the bigger the base, the higher in space. And so this could go higher in space. Yeah, it rhymes, so I tend to go with that one yeah. more, Bonoin. But uh, how, are you, yeah. how are you feeling about Netflix from a fundamental standpoint? Well, the real yeah, question, I, I mean, so, Bonoin, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, no problem. So, um, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I, I tend not to fight trends. I mean, I think that's rule number one, and I'm d very much um, in lockstep with the bigger the base, the higher in space. I do think the fundamentals present a slightly more challenging backdrop. And there's always this tug of war between ARPU and subgrowth. And if you look at last, the last earnings release, right, anytime there's even the slightest of miss, you're going to see a little bit of volatility around the stock. Now, thematically, with um, you know, the COVID Delta variant kind of rearing its head and re-emerging, re I think that speaks to the stay-at-home story. And I think we've already seen the stock perform well there. But I think the, and I also think the inflows recently back into tech show that people have become increasingly more comfortable with valuations here as long as they provide uh, the earnings to support it. What I will say is that it's approaching its 52-week high and the recently raised outperform price target at City. So I'm not really sure how much upside is there. I do think you continue to ride the trend, but I'm, I'm slightly more cautiously optimistic on my side. Yeah, Nadine, are, are you optimistic as well? Or cautiously optimistic. I think there's a. <laughs> There's a graveyard full of Netflix short sellers. So I think you have to be really careful betting against this one. We always hear about slowing user growth. We always hear about limited monetization. But what you've seen here is they've had pricing power and they're coming up with a huge slate of new content. So while I wouldn't go, you know, putting on a huge position here, our trading range is about 545 to 607. It's in a bullish formation, and there's significant option protection on this name. So I think it can go higher as people take off that protection and see some of the fundamental drivers continue to be positive. Grasso, is the, is the context of the markets in terms of what is in vogue um, sector-wise, does that matter to the story, or is this an individual story in your view? In other words, do we have to believe that we're in a sort of a slower growth environment which favors, tends to favor big cap tech in order to believe that Netflix goes higher? I, I, think, uh, I think it's an individual story, but I think the macro does help. The low-rate environment is going to help large-cap tech, but to just pull it back a little bit, Carter brought up two charts, NVIDIA and Netflix. If I look at the Netflix chart, I get an EKG on my screen. And what comes with an EKG? You get peaks, you get troughs, you get this bouncing around in the stock price. So I'm somewhere between um, Bonowin and extremely negative on the name. So having said that, I, I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not extremely negative. I think the stock could trade down 10%. And, and revisit its 50-day moving average. And I think it's a rising 50-day. I think that everyone would consider that a win. But that's a 10% move lower. So I would, be, I would be waiting 
to buy Netflix 10% lower than where it is now, and that would be a great buy. But going between Bonwin and 10% lower seems like a big range, Grasso. <laughs> would you play well, for I that 10%? Were, would you play for them... the 10% lower, or would you play for the bounce off the 10% lower is the question. Oh, In other words, yeah, would yeah, you yeah, short to 10% lower? The 10- Yes, I would play. I would. I would be a seller of the stock here, and I would be a buyer of the stock ten percent lower and looking for that bounce as it's done so many times over the period that Carter uh, looked at. First of all, the stock is only up nine percent and it's already overbought. It's it's got an RSI of eighty one. Look at Nvidia. Nvidia is up seventy five percent and is not overbought. So if I had to pick one of those charts to buy. Believe it or not, I'd rather buy the stock that's up 75% and not overbought currently. Oh, that sounds like a would you rather to me. That sounds like the perfect <laughs> opportunity for, for a would you rather. So, Brian Kelly, I'll toss it to you. NVIDIA Ooh. or Netflix here? Oh, uh, you know what? Um, NVIDIA has been one of my favorites. So I am going to go with NVIDIA because this is a real big momentum type of market. Uh, that's not to disc- discount Netflix. You know, and when we talk about the fundamentals, these breakouts have a funny way of changing people's perception of fundamentals. So, I, I, you know, I like I like NVIDIA better just because it has the momentum. All right. Let's get now to today's big miss. The U.S. economy adding just 235,000 jobs in August. That is less than a third of the number expected. Stocks taking the news in stride. The Nasdaq even closing at a new record. So, Bonwin, what do you make of the of the action today in stocks? You know, I mean, man, it, I, I was surprised that the market responded the way it did. I, I do feel like there's a little bit of uh, reverse engineering here where whether the news is extremely positive, people want to buy into it, or with the news is less positive or negative, people essentially say, well, this is, this, all this means now is that the, the Fed is going to continue to have to be uh, a bit more conciliatory and supportive of the market. So um, I, I, I was left scratching my head there. I will say I do think it, pa- it paints Chairman Powell in a relatively uh, a shining light here. I think there was a lot of criticism around his, his hesitancy to move forward more aggressively. And he's pointed time and time again to the job market and said, listen, we're going to be deliberate. We're going to look at data. And we're particularly going to continue to look and keep a pulse on what's going on in, in the job market. I think today definitely shed some light on what the, the, the Delta variant may be doing to the job market, the prospects for growth and hiring. And so while I continue to think that the taper will happen over a protracted period of time, I do think people should maybe pump the brakes in terms of uh, rate hikes in, in the near term. Nadine, if I had called you this morning, um, shortly before or after, I should say, the jobs number crossed, would you have said the markets should go higher? I mean, what, what was your sort of... It, it just, it, as Bonowin said, it's, I was sort of scratching my head at the reaction in the markets myself. Well, Mel, you know, on the show a couple of days ago, um, I said I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Uh, but because it's, we're in an inflationary environment and because there's, there's a point here about unemployment, well, unemployment got better for overall. I think it was 4.8 down to 4.5. For African-Americans, it went up 8.2 to 8.8. So one of Powell's key points, which is like fairness, right? Are we going to see employment improve for everybody? It didn't happen. And so who does that help? I think you were spot on with your recent question. 
It's mega tech. It's mega cap. That's who does well, and that's what we saw today. So tech is up. You know, SPY was just flat to slightly down, and you saw Russell go down harder. So it, for me, it wasn't that surprising given what we thought was going to happen with inflation and probably employment. I guess I thought that the moves would be a little bit more magnified, Steve, if you had asked me, that the move in tech would have been a little bit more than barely flat <laughs> flat to higher. I mean, I, I thought that we would have a more pronounced reaction thinking that taper would be pushed off. Yeah, well, I think that the issue is, is we already know that Chairman Powell has already made the difference between taper and tightening. So I think the market is just digesting this and maybe they're not getting shocked, which is a great thing. And it gives it gets back to what Bonowin started off with. Bad economic news is good news for the marketplace, which we probably shouldn't scratch our heads anymore. That's been what we've seen. And I think it's very healthy that we didn't see the market get shocked to the point where mega te- mega cap tech screams higher But I think we all collectively can look at this and say, maybe this still is the sweet spot moving forward. But I will tell you that I'm starting to get a little bit hesitant on the market myself. I feel like it's a little bit long in the tooth. And going into September, October, I think we could be in for, you know, and it it sounds stupid even saying it, saying a 5 to 7% drawdown, because we've had that in a day. Right. So it doesn't doesn't really make a whole hell of a lot of difference. I think you stay the course with the market. But I think the uh, the um, reaction, as you put it, was a little bit muted today, which means to me that people are getting a little complacent, which means that markets could be selling off. I mean, muscle memory for market participants, Brian Kelly, is is that September and October is they're volatile months and they're historically bad months. For the markets. Mm-hmm. So, so how are we positioned going into this historically um, difficult period for the markets? Yeah, I've been hearing that uh, difficult September, October for the last couple of weeks now, which makes me think it can't be right <laughs> if everybody thinks it. Um, so I would discount that a bit, number one. Number two, when I look at the market today, it actually made a fair amount of sense to me because a weaker jobs number means we're going to get more stimulus. We're likely it puts the odds of a bigger or a stimulus package getting passed, uh, increases those odds. But what held it back was the bond market. And so yields went up a little bit. Right. So if you're thinking about kind of your cross asset allocation and you see yields go up, that makes the stock market a tiny bit less attractive. And that's probably why there was a lid on the rally today, at least in BK's opinion. All right. Coming up, the most important story in the market may be coming from overseas and it's flying under the radar. Probably why BK believes investors need to wake up. Plus, a banking buzzkill. This financial stock just had its worst week in more than 14 months. We'll go behind the trade when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? 
At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. news alert on Uber. Contessa Brewer's got the story. Contessa. Hi, Melissa. Well, what we have just heard from Dara Khosrowshahi is that he's coming forward and clapping competitor Lyft on the back for the actions that it's taking in Texas and saying it's going to match that. So here's what happened. Lyft came forward and said that they were going to start a legal defense fund for any of the drivers who got accused under this new Texas uh, abortion law or anti-abortion law um, of assisting women receive now illegal abortions in the state of Texas, Lyft would set up a legal defense fund to defend those drivers. And uh, just a short time ago, uh, Dara had tweeted out that uh, he thought that that was the right decision on Lyft's part, and they were planning to have Uber make the same move. Um, So Uber now also will cover legal, legal fees for drivers in the same way And uh, there's Dara saying thanks for the push, Logan Green, that drivers should not be put at risk for getting people where they want to go. Melissa? Basically, the premise contests is that even rideshare drivers who take women to these appointments are seen as aiding these women in an illegal abortion at this point and could be fined. And so, so at that point, the companies will step in and cover the legal fees. You got it. Okay. Contessa, thank you. Contessa Brewer. Let's check out the rally overnight in Japan. Stocks soaring to a more than 30-year high. The move comes as Japan's prime minister announces he is stepping down at the end of this month. BK, you are calling this the most important story in the market right now. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I know it sounds a bit like hyperbole, but think about what's happened over the last 30 years. There has been this giant trade, what's called the carry trade. You borrow Japanese yen, you use it to get U.S. dollars, and then you buy U.S. assets. That's why the U.S. dollar Japanese yen is highly correlated to the S&P 500. Every bank in Japan, every company in Japan is taking money from Japan and putting it into the U.S. markets because they can't get a return over there. But with the prime minister resigning and the potential for more stimulus in Japan, fiscal stimulus, not the kind of central bank money that they have had for a long time going, which has not worked just like it hasn't worked here in the U.S., but now you're putting money in people's pockets. Now I've got a stock market that is breaking out of a 30-year base. I mean, you talk about a big base. That is one big base. It should go higher in space. So the reason why this is so important is because all of those flows that have happened over the last several decades have the potential to reverse. And it hits every asset class, not just currencies, but it hits equities. And Japan has been one of the largest buyers of U.S. treasuries. So they've actually filled the hole that China left when they stopped buying treasuries. So this hits every asset class. And if you get that continued rally, which it looks like we're going to get, everything that you knew about the last decade could be upended. I have a question, Brian Kelly, Hmm. before we because I know Nadine is hot on this as well. You guys are like peas in a pod when it comes to this Japan story. Um, But Suga is stepping down as the head of the party, and therefore he is stepping down as prime minister. What if his party continues to hold the prime ministry? Then does that change your thesis? No, in fact, it doesn't, because 
no matter what party is in there, they are likely going to have to do some fiscal stimulus, right? And that'll be the way that they win the election. Um, in fact, if the LDP does win, it might kind of reduce any political concern or political risk that you have, even though they have a, a new leader. So I don't think this would change my view at all. It is all about how much money is going to be pumped into that economy and are these massive capital flows going to reverse? So the question, Nadine, that I have at this point is if you are if you believe this, then do you position yourself right now and how do you do that? It's a good question. And, and I think BK eloquently put a lot of complexity into simple terms here. So to answer your question, Mal, there's the EWJ. Um, that's a Japanese ETF. That's one easy way to do it. And it benefits from some of the currency movements that BK was talking about. So that's one way. Um, if you're into Japanese stocks, there's a, a ton. We went over some of the, the green ones a few days ago. Um, but industrials are good there. You could look at service businesses. Um, we have real estate positions, some financial institutions there. So there's lots of different ways to play this stimulus that could happen, as well as just an overall support of the market. There's been a lot of ESG trends as well occurring, better uh, compliance, obviously less cross-holdings of companies. So a lot of things to look forward to, but this was a big deal, and BK was spot on on that. So Brian Kelly, the, the um, other question, the last question I'll have for you in terms of the, the impact on other asset classes, does the U.S. bond market lose a major support, and does that make the yield curve become steeper? Yes. In fact, I think it might have had a little bit to do with today, potentially. But, yeah, so remember, China wasn't the biggest buyer of, of uh, Treasury bonds, and they stopped doing that, and Japan filled that hole. So now if that reverses and you don't have that buyer, who's left except for the Federal Reserve? Hmm. All right. This is something we'll be watching for sure. Coming up, tractor traction. What are our options traders is betting on a big breakout for deer? How you can play this name for some serious upside. We'll be back right after this. We've got some news on new additions to the S&P 500. Contessa Brewer is back with the details. Contessa. All right. The S&P is adding three new companies to the uh, index. Now we have Match coming in. That's a $41 billion market cap. And look at how the uh, stock price moves on that in extended trading up almost 8%. Ceridian HCM is up almost a percent. It will be added to the S&P and Brown and & Brown, uh, an old insurance company added here as well. That was stock up 2%, but matched the really popping on the news to be added to the S&P, Melissa. All right. Thank you very much, Contessa Brewer. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso, what do you say? This has been a name of uh, mine, and it has not performed at all. And I'm still in the name, still have conviction. PaySafe, number one in iGaming. It's got a crypto wallet, digital wallets. It's everywhere you want to be. PaySafe. Nadine Terman. Looking at European financials, ticker EUFN. You've got great earnings growth. We're going to see some surprises, good loan growth, and a potential catalyst with the German elections. Bono and Eisen. Speaking of financials, I proceed with caution with Wells Fargo. The regulatory overhang, still too much gray area there. Wells Fargo. Brian Kelly. You know, BK's going to put his money where his mouth is, and he's going to pile on with Nadine into EWJ. Stock exposure and long yen exposure. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Do not go anywhere. A jam-packed options action is up next. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.